Hey, hello. <laughs> and we're on. As soon as I start to sing, I'm so sorry for everyone. I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, well, good morning, good morning, and welcome to uh, Adult Sunday School. Um, for those of you who do not know me, my name is Derek. I have the privilege of, I'm pretty sure most of you know me, I have a privilege of being a deacon here and leading a home group. Uh, and a discipleship group, and being one of the pastoral interns. That list feels long <laughs> and unnecessary. <laughs> My name's Derek. That's what matters. Hi. I, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to the elders. <laughs> um, well, welcome as we're going to continue going through um, our uh, series in Genesis. Today, I have the privilege of talking to you guys about the story of Noah. And for those of you who know how bad I am about notes, as we were just talking about, I brought you, I brought you a piece of paper, a piece of paper to take notes. She doesn't need it. She doesn't even want it. <laughs> yeah. And this is great. And Tess is the best. She's going to pass them out. So that's my little joke. So I will, I will provide information that will hopefully be noteworthy at some point between now and when I'm done. So I, I'm providing you with paper for your notes. Um, I will even provide you with something like a title at some point, and I'll tell you there's some things you might want to write down. It'll be great. I know. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be exciting. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> um, so uh, before we jump in, I uh, Let's pray because that will be the most helpful thing that happens all morning. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for um, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have an opportunity uh, where we are in this uh, in this time, in this day, in this age to uh, hear your word, uh, to have your word, uh, and to to do both of those things without repercussion. Uh, as we uh, go through. Uh, your scriptures this morning, we ask that your spirit would be moving, um, that as I speak, it'd be your spirit guiding my words, that our hearts would be changed by your word, uh, and that most of all, you'd be glorified well uh, by our time this morning. I pray all this in Jesus' name, to his glory. Amen. So we are going to be going through the story of Noah. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis starting in chapter 6. How many of you have heard the story of Noah more than 10 times? How many of you have heard the story of Noah more than 100 times? <laughs> right? How many of you have seen the felt board <laughs> With the ark, yeah, and the animals, and then the rainbow, right? No. You know what? If I'm being honest, you're not missing anything. It's okay. Yeah, I, I probably should have, but that would not have been a good use of my time. Um, right, so a lot of us in here have, have heard the story of Noah probably hundreds of times. And it's pretty easy to come back to stories that we've heard so many times in Scripture and to just kind of already know what we're getting. 
right? It's easy to go, okay, we're getting to Noah, there's a flood, sin's bad, there's punishment, and there's a rainbow. There's no more, no more floods on the earth, right? Like it's really easy to, to approach Scripture that way. And I know that because, I mean, I'm sure I do it all the time, right? So, today we're going to try to do something different. <laughs> today, we're going to try not to approach the story of Noah that way. Uh, so, today we are going to, um, we're going to read the story of Noah out of Scripture and then continue to walk through the text and see what it has for us. I know for myself having heard and read the story of Noah so many times, that I just, I, I, get, I get through it kind of fast. And again, I summarize. I know the main points. There's sin, it's bad. We're going to keep moving, right? So, so this morning, I would encourage you to be holding a Bible because we're getting into it. So Genesis chapter 6. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive. They took as their wives any they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide a man forever, for he is flesh. His days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them, these were the mighty men of old, the men of renown. And we're going to stop for a second. My intention is to read all the way through. But I'm sure there's a lot of people in here who have read this story before, and this is a big question. Who were the Nephilim? What are they, and why are they here? Well, if you have one of those really fancy sheets of paper that I gave you to take notes on, this would be a great opportunity to write a few things down. Leave yourself some room for a title. There's a great heading coming momentarily. But then for the Nephilim, there's three options that we see that these could be. The first option is some sort of celestial being. When we read uh, the sons of God, there's an idea that there is some type of spirit happening that is finding a way to come into the daughters of man. The second option would be that these Nephilim, this, this combination that these children born to the, the sons of God and the, the daughters of man, maybe these are tyrannical kings or leaders. Tyrannical. The other third option would be that this is an idea that the line of Seth that was the godly line has intermarried with the line of Cain, the not godly line. Third option. Those are our three options. I personally hold to some sort of view on the first option, and if you don't, that's okay. It's all right to be wrong. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's personally kind of where I've landed, but that's actually not the thrust of what we're gonna talk about today, which is why I kind of want to stop and just get it out of the way. A lot of people want to stop here and talk about this, and we're gonna come back to it in a little bit for other reasons, but that's a big question. Who are they, what's going on? And so I, I didn't want to not address it, but it's really not the thrust of what we're gonna get at today. So I wanted to offer you something, and we can talk more about it later. 
So let's keep reading in Genesis. Chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. For the, for the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw, that the, God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. <clears throat> I'm just kidding, I'm sorry. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it for, uh, and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh and which the breath of life and which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, and of every creeping thing on the ground according to its kind, Two of every sort shall come, into you, come in to you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household. For I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and the and a pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was six hundred years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. That is so old. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, 
On that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened, and rain fell down on the earth forty days and forty nights. On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem and Ham and Japheth, and Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature, they went into the ark with Noah, two and two, of all flesh, in which there was breath of life. And those that entered male and female of all flesh went in, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued forty days on the earth, and the waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them fifteen cubits deep. And all flesh died that moved along the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left. And those who were with him in the ark and the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow on the earth and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heaven were closed and the rain from the heavens was sustained and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of the 150 days, the waters had abated and in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. And in the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and set forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot, and she returned to him into the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth." So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days and again sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a fresh plucked olive leaf. So no one knew that the waters had subsided from the earth when he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried off the earth, from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife's sons and his sorry his sons and his wife and his wife's sons with them every beast every creeping thing and every bird everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark then noah built an altar to the lord and took some of the clean animals and some of every clean bird and and uh, offered burnt offerings on the altar 
And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his, his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every, every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And, and as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh that it, with its life in it. It's, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require and from man. From this fellow man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning of the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between you and me, and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living, every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Can we do that here? Yeah, thanks be to God. <laughs> um, so, so we talked about it's easy to kind of presuppose a few things about the flood, right? Sin, water, punishment. Is there anything that stood out hearing that whole story, like in its full, start to finish, that maybe is not something you normally think about or something that normally comes to mind as you're reading? Or maybe something that does and I was wrong <laughs> in, in my assumption of what you think. Well, <laughs> you know, I will say that God is more gracious and merciful than I probably am. I don't know. <laughs> but I have to assume that on some fashion they were there because they creep and we still got them. So, yep. So, anything stand out? Yeah.
Yeah. Yep. Anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> a lot of patience. And something that's kind of interesting too is that, and, and we'll probably get to this, and I say probably, we will, I, I've seen my notes. Um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting to think about, like, as I was reading, I was studying, I was thinking about Noah being in the situation and being in the ark, and like, he's let out of the ark, and what's the first thing he does? He builds an altar. I wish I could say that that would have been my response. <laughs> But I don't know if it would have been. I mean, I hope, but like I would have just been so happy to not be stuck on that dang boat with all them animals that smelled terrible and with my wife and my kids and nobody else. Like, it was a long time. Anyway, praise God for Noah. <laughs> he, was, he was a righteous man. Um, yeah. 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 Did you read my notes? Should I give you like five bucks after? Because that was that was there could not have been there could not have been a better segue because now think about how you would have felt hearing this story right? Because they, they would have likely heard it all the way through. I couldn't imagine that Moses would have stopped and been like, all right, come back tomorrow at seven to hear the rest, right? So, so they've taken this whole chunk of scriptures been given to them. These are Israelites who have just escaped Egypt, who are wandering in a desert. It's hot. They're probably hungry. They probably smell worse than my kids usually do. Like, like what like if you put yourself in that mindset like so you're an Israelite now who's just escaped Egypt like what is this what's different about this story now does anything else stand out to you sure yeah or yeah yep Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, are you guys ready for your title? I told you to save space for a title. <laughs> your title is Noah. The Remix. You heard me. The Remix. A Promise to Preserve. There, there's a lot of imagery in the story of Noah that the Israelites wandering 
would recognize from the story that they had just heard about how God created the earth and about how things went in the garden and then the exit from the garden. There's going to be a lot of similarities to these people who, who are hearing these stories probably back to back. There's a lot of imagery that's going to line up and that's going to give them a hope and the sovereignty of God. And so my hope this morning, my hope, is that we can look at some of those things and be reminded of the sovereignty and glory of God and read another way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. And that also, man, you guys are seriously. Did I feel like I airdropped this to you? This is this is incredible. It couldn't be better. You guys are the best. Yeah. So essentially, she's saying that when God says that. I'm not going to flood the earth again. He's not saying it's because like Noah's righteous or something that was done. In fact, he's looking at man and saying, they're sinful from their youth. Like he's seen the state of man and he's choosing to not do it again. Is that an accurate summarization? Yeah. So, uh, and so it, we're going we're gonna to now walk back through the text a little bit and highlight a few things. And so I mentioned earlier at the start of Genesis or the start of Noah in Genesis 6 that we talked about these Nephilim. This is actually the first place that there is uh, kind of a picture of the garden. Because you see this uh, in this text here that uh, the, the sons of God came into the daughters of man and they bore children to them. Uh, nope, missed that, sorry. Here we go. Sons of God saw that the daughters of man were attractive and they took them as their wives as they chose. So a thing that's happening here that I see is in the garden, what happened? What, what, what happened with Eve? She did. She sinned. Yeah, she saw. It looked good. She took it. And now here we are, a few chapters later. Just probably a couple days, right? I'm kidding. Um, and, and now what's happening, right? There, there is a sense of the whole earth is filled with this sin of the example that's before us is something seeing something they want, it's attractive, and they're taking it, whether they should or they shouldn't. So sin is everywhere. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intention of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. As we look at the story in a, in a whole big picture, some things to note about sin. Sin touches all of creation, right? So what happened when Adam and Eve, think about something that happened with creation when Adam and Eve sinned. They took that, that fruit for the first time. What happened? Yep, what else? They hid from God. Did anything happen in creation? Animals darted. What? Yeah. And then, and as we keep going, 
What happens in the curse? The ground is hard to work, right? So sin is impacting all of creation. And then obviously, as we move on to the story, spoiler alert, we, we look at how God is bringing the covenant back and it's to all of creation. Another thing that we see, which hopefully doesn't surprise us, God requires, or sin requires God's judgment. We're all on the same page there, right? Um, but this is, this is not, I mean, obviously, this is obvious, right? So there's sin all over the earth, and the response of God is to bring judgment, to bring a flood. And then the last thing is to think about is that sin breeds corruption, right? It just continues to get worse and get worse and get worse to the point where God would, would grieve his own creation because every intention of their heart is only evil continually. But the story gets a little better, doesn't it? And then we have to go far. Just verse 8. We move a couple verses down in chapter 6 to verse 8. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. What has Noah done so far in our story? Oh, right now. So we got from verse 1 to verse, to verse 8. What has Noah done? I had a head shake with a negative and then a zero, right? Well, we don't even know that yet. We do because we already read the story. We kind of cheated a little bit there. But, but he found favor in the eyes of the Lord and hadn't done anything. And what a hope that would be to an Israelite wandering in the desert who has just been chosen by, who's chosen by God and then saved and pulled out of slavery to see that God is acting and choosing for no other choice than his own, right? Noah has found favor, but as far as we're aware, Noah has done no, no thing, no thing. He has done no thing. He's done nothing, right? And as, as we sit in here and I love that we get to pray for our reform distinctives. One of those distinctives would be God's sovereignty and our election. That's something else that we should be seeing too, that God is choosing Noah just as he's chosen the Israelites. So that would be, I'd have to imagine, a very great hope to them. So Noah has done nothing. But as we keep reading, we know we learn very quickly and these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And I would argue that Noah did those things because of the favor of God. Just as you and I would not come to Christ and know God had it not been for his favor that he showed us before we could do anything. We keep going through our story down in chapter, uh, through chapter six here, and we get to the end. The last verse, Noah did this. He did all that God commanded. In chapter seven, verse five, we continue to see Noah, a righteous man, and Noah did all that the Lord had commanded. And then what happens to Noah? He's obedient, and what happens to him? 
This is an easy one, guys. I promise. He's saved. Right? He's saved from the floods. So this is a small application. I would highly recommend obedience to God. In this case, it literally saved Noah. <laughs> um, but also here, too, God calls, verse chapter 7, verse 16, as we keep going through our story, we even see in the, um, verse 16, sorry, I think I said that backwards, uh, and those that entered male and female, all flesh, went in as God had commanded them, and God shut them in. So even the animals, God is calling, we talked about the sovereignty of the control of the animals to bring them, I think that was you that mentioned that, right? And in their obedience to God's call, they also are saved. Yeah. Yep. Um, chapter, seven, uh, chapter 7, verse 17. Uh, the flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep. Is there, is there a picture here that should sound familiar to somebody who just heard the story of creation? Water is now covering the face of the earth for a second time. Right, So there's going to be some imagery here drawing these Israelites back to what has already happened. There was, at the beginning, before there was anything, water covering the face of the earth. And here we are again, and we see the water rising, and now all there is is water covering the face of the earth. In that, we see that everything dies. Right? We keep reading verses 20 through 23. And the waters prevailed over the mountains, covering them 15 cubits. And all the flesh died that moved on the earth, birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarmed on the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land in whose nostrils was the breath of life died. It's almost like there's a blank slate. Right? So the Israelites would be looking back and seeing this imagery of a earth covered in water, and nothing else. And now, as that water dissipates, there's almost, almost what seems as a resetting of things, of things moving forward. There is, there is a washing of the earth. A fun note, because we're not going to talk about it much else. I know a lot of people like to look at the book of, Noah, or the, the book of Genesis and see, see the story of Noah and try to, try to find facts prove its truth. So we do get, we get a small glimpse there where he, we know that he lands on the mountains of Ararat. So there's a, there's a little nugget for our, 
for our, our person looking for the historicity. Um, we mentioned this earlier, but as we keep moving through our story, the waters go up, the waters come down. Noah sends out the birds. The land is finally dry. We're in chapter 8. We're in verse 16 or 13. Um, and God calls Noah out of the ark. And then what does Noah do? He builds an altar and he worships. The thing that I, the thing that I love here, which we know again, that Noah was a righteous man, but it's, I, I love to see that in the text, this image that Noah builds this altar and the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. And obviously, it was pleasing, right? So he found, he found favor in that. He was pleased with the worship of Noah, which is just, frankly, I think an incredible thing. And at some point, I would imagine it would be a very, a very reassuring thing to the Israelites who are about to have the law given to them, telling them how to worship and sacrifice and bring glory to God. And as we keep going, we hit Genesis uh, 8, chapter, or verse 20, as we keep going through our story, he builds his altar, the aroma is pleasing. And then we talked about, uh, earlier Isaac mentioned, a lot of covenant language. And so we're going to get into a lot of covenant language here, and I'm going to read back through some of this, because I think it matters a lot. And then I have a question for you. <clears throat> Uh, God says, he's, uh, he says in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Sounds familiar, I think, right? Keep going, I'm going to skip down to verse 8 here. Uh, and, and God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock that is with you, the birds and the uh, livestock, and every living beast of the earth that is with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. What sounds familiar in that? What part of that covenant sounds familiar? Is there, is there any part of that covenant that we've, that we've heard before? It's not a trick question, I promise. What's the charge that God gives to Adam? Be fruitful and multiply. As God makes this covenant with Noah, is there something that stands out that's different from the covenant that we see him make with Adam in the garden? 
Yeah. Yep. Beasts are fearful of man now. Post-sin, post that mattered a lot. Yep. One thing that's interesting is that in this covenant that God is making now with Noah versus the covenant that he made in the garden is he's including everything. He's including the earth. He's including the animals, all the creatures, and man all together. This is why I say that as we look at Noah, the remix, there's a promise to preserve. God is actively bringing a new covenant that's really a lot like the old covenant that's even more encompassing. He's saying, be fruitful, multiply. He's giving a charge, and he's saying, I'm promising to never do this again. And there should be something really beautiful here to an Israelite who is wandering and hot and tired and probably doesn't know what's going to happen tomorrow because they're in a desert. And maybe that was more normal for them back then, but I have to think if I was walking through a desert, I would think there were probably not a lot of tomorrows to come. And they're being reminded right now as this new covenant is coming to, to Noah, who I'm going to call Adam 1.1, right? He's not the new Adam, but it's a similar covenant. It's like when you update your phone and it's like iOS 16.01. It's just like that, just, just a little different. Um, but they're being reminded that the seed, right? I think it was last week we talked about the generations of people as we're reading. There, there's this continuation of the seed that God promised in the beginning that this seed would crush the head of the serpent. They know this story. They've just heard that line. Now they're here seeing the story of Noah. And what, you guys are going to be shocked. Guess what follows this text? More generations of names. Uh-huh. But there's something, there's something incredible there, though, because the, that's, that next section of names is going to get them to the father of Israel. It's going to get them to Abraham. And we've got Abraham, who's next? Isaac and Jacob. And then we see Joseph. And Joseph goes into Israel and finds favor with the Pharaoh. Uh, huh? Oh, goes into Egypt. Sorry, yes, thank you. And <laughs> didn't do that. <laughs> Already there, uh, sort of. Um, and finds finds favor with the Pharaoh, and it's, it's the generation after this Pharaoh that loses the favor. Israel loses favor with this next Pharaoh, and here they are. They've just endured slavery, and now they're on the run. I'd have to imagine that being reminded that God is covenanting to preserve all of life would be pretty encouraging in this moment. There's something else that, that, yeah, yeah. Okay, you sure? All right. There's something else that's interesting in this section here because something different happens with the land. I, I kind of I cheated a little bit and didn't start all the way back as far as I could have. It's the benefit of getting to lead. <laughs> in, in Genesis 5, 
verse 28, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son, and he called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. And then if we skip ahead, back the other direction, we get into um, Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted his vineyard, and it grows, and he makes wine. Praise God for wine. So something new is also happening here in the ground in the covenant. And the last thing I want to touch on very quickly, because time exists, uh, unfortunately sometimes, is I want to take us to nine, chapter, uh, chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all the earth. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. There's something very cool here, I think. Well, something great for, for the Israelites, right? They're able to see this bow, a rainbow, and remember this covenant that God has made. Something that's very interesting and in the imagery of this bow in the sky, in the clouds, that the word that God is using here for bow, it, do you, it's not like the, a bow on a present or a bow in a young girl's hair, right? We're talking about a bow, like a war bow. In fact, this is the only time in Scripture we see this word bow used to not be talking about essentially war. 77 times we have the use of this word bow, and every other time except for in this section of Genesis is it used to refer to a weapon of war. Something kind of interesting there for us, post, post-resurrection, right? we can look back on this covenant and see God making a promise and saying, I'm hanging my war bow in the clouds. And it's pointed up. And it's, it's amazing because we get to look at the story of Noah as, as believers on the other side of the cross and, and see that God is building a covenant that's pointing to his son being the apex of the completion of the covenant that's going to bring us life forever with God. And we know that that war bow, war bow pointing up for us means that that arrow is going to Christ, right? Because what's going to happen? Noah is Adam 1.1, not Adam 2. So what's going to happen? More people are going to fill the earth. 
and there's going to be a lot more sin. And here we are today, thousands of years later, and, and what's going on on the earth? Lots more sin, right? And there's even times today when I look around and I see the culture and I think, can it get worse? And sadly, it probably could. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. It's hard to imagine it could be much worse than that, right? But for us, we can look at that sign and say that we know that that war bow that God put in the sky when he made his covenant with Noah has come to fruition and the arrow hitting the Christ. That we have our salvation because when we broke covenant, God sent his son to deal with the curse. So, my encouragement to you guys, the next time you get to Noah, presuppose less and read slow and remember that our God is a God of covenant who redeems. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, your grace that you chose uh, us for, for no other thing we could have done uh, besides your own goodness for your own glory. We thank you that you chose uh, to preserve a seed to crush the head of the serpent, that, that today we may know life and we may know you and that we may walk with you. Father, we are thankful for your sovereign hand that has guided and continues to guide today. Lord, we ask that as we continue to have an opportunity to worship and sit under your word, that our hearts would continue to be soft to your truth, and that you be glorified well by our time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.